This is Brian Pax, Gus from Return of the Living Dead, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That You know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry but that's <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another exciting installment of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I am one of your hosts. I am Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Matt Chan. And Professor Wagstaff. Friends, we've got a fun episode lined up for you. Well, actually, I can't say that. That's not entirely true. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, way to build it up just to shit on them. Is it trash? (laughs) Trash is in this episode. We're going to talk about trash, dude. But... I would say a great talk about movie, too. a great movie that also had some sequels. So we'll talk about that. But we are here to talk about the Return of the Living Dead franchise, not to be confused with the Night of the Living Dead franchise. Nobody would ever confuse those. It's a good point. I don't know why I said that. Anyways, <laughs> so Return of the Living uh, they, Dead. But they're zombies. Um. Before we talk about the first film, do we want to say any overall comments about the series? Yeah, um, I'm going to put this out there. I said this to the professor earlier. Um, Turn of the Living Dead, my favorite zombie movie. Just come to light recently, yeah. watching them again and again. I mean, November kind of solidified that for me. What about you, professor? Uh, like November was an eye-opener. Over, in terms of um, overthoughts for the franchise... Flawed first movie. No, we're just I'm just first movie. No, we, yeah, we're getting ready to go. Oh, into okay, the first okay. Movie. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Well, okay. Well, the first movie, the rest of them, yeah, I'm, yeah. Sorry. I'm so sorry. At least something to be desired. Oh, yeah, yeah. As a franchise, I would not say I'm a fan of this franchise at all. Um, but what I will say from the get go is that I do give them credit for maintaining continuity of trioxin, yeah, and brains. Yeah. There's always that aspect, and even there's always a, there's always some sort of nod towards punk because the first one is so punk, and then two and three maintain a little some some of that punk influence, and then you get a little nod in, in, in four and five. So I give them credit for that, but definitely that they maintained uh, the continuity of trioxin and brains. I give them credit for that because so many other franchises go on and just piss on continuity. So that being said. Let's jump into number one. Matt Chan, you got the, the date of release on that? Uh, 1985, 1985, director Dan O'Bannon. Um, the movie comes out, it features such character names as Bert, Frank, Ernie, Fred, Tina, Chuck, Casey, 
Spider Scuzz Trash Suicide and the Tar Man. The Tar Man. Tar Man. <laughs> Jennifer Zilly would call him the Tar Man. Tar Man. Tar Man. Tar Man. Redman. Right. And I think one of the things, I, like I was saying just a few minutes ago, was the professor and I had the distinct pleasure of watching the majority of this cast this past November at a convention in Chicago. Yeah, we got to hear all the cool inside stories. They uh, they talked at their pan. We went to the panel. We hung out in the room. We did some interviews with a few folks. Um, it really did. It solidified this as my favorite zombie movie. November kind of helped that along. But watching it again, like I don't, I'm not a member of the fast zombie suck crowd at all. <laughs> Even though I like Romero movies, but in this case, man, like I really enjoyed it. Like. There was that element to it, and there were things that made this movie stand out from the rest because it didn't take itself too seriously. And there was naked Linnea quickly <laughs> dancing have. around forever. I, but go ahead. Uh, I I agree. Our time spent in Chicago uh, absolutely elevated my enjoyment for the film. It, it was really neat to see the group and how they kind of um, kind of just do the whole convention thing together. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was a well-oiled machine. The panel was one of the most entertaining we've had the pleasure of watching because you've got, I mean, it, it was literally perfect to have Clue Gallagher down on one end at the panel and then Linnea Quigley down at the other end. It's just, just so many different personalities. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Like, it was a movie that I already enjoyed a lot, but that really just took it to a whole nother place. I mean, when we got back from Chicago, I popped it on that night. I couldn't wait to watch it again. And I really got to give it up to Days of the Dead because with the exception of God Rest His Soul, Mark Vin- uh, Vinatieri, who played Suicide, and then... Brother Mc- of Adam Vinatieri, field goal kicker. That's really? Not, that's not true. Really? That's not, true. That's not this podcast. <laughs> but at the Vinatieri, and then um, Miguel Nunez, who wasn't there, the entire cast was there. Yeah, you really got to give it up to Days of the Dead on that one. They had a complete reunion. It was James Karen's last convention, and we got to be a part of that, and that's what I think would made that even more special for us. This film holds a special place in my heart for a couple reasons. Um, one, I remember just getting on board with this film back in 2005. I was living in Louisville, Kentucky. Obviously a connection Post-apocalyptic to Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was living in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was a big year of horror for me. Um, I, uh, you know, I lived in a new town. I didn't have a whole lot of friends. And so I, there was like a used DVD and CD shop down the street from me. And so I would go down there all the time. We want to point out that Grizz was living the storyline from Maniac at this point. <laughs> combined with... Sans uh, dolls. Combined, yeah, combined with the story from... Uh, um, uh, Joke's half, over. Half Nelson with Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll get into that on another. That's episode. another podcast for another day. Meet us in person for those stories. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so I would go down there and I would just buy up just all every horror DVD I could get my hands on because they had them for cheap. And so I get Return of the Living Dead, and I love it. And then I, you know, I love the Louisville connection. But then, then the real catch comes in in that um, for Halloween there was a little theater that was showing Return of the Living Dead at midnight. So I drag my friends out of the bar where there's like hundreds <laughs> of people for this costume party. I'm like, no, Return of the Living Dead is at the theater. We're going there. Right. And they're like, you're an idiot. Half of them fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to say why, but half of them fell asleep. 
I lost the zombie contest, which really kind of pissed me off. But um, it was so awesome, and I still have the flyer somewhere. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna have. I'm gonna try and get some of the cast to sign that someday. Well, next time you should try dressing up like Tar Man or something instead of like Brian Posehn as a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be the fattest Tar Man ever. <laughs> Oh, Come so, on. You know, thank, thanks for bringing up painful memories. Uh, so, uh, so, anyways, so that's why it has a special place in my heart, man. To see that at a midnight showing in Louisville, and then when they show that the missiles are going to hit Louisville, and the whole crowd starts <laughs> cheering, they're like, "Yeah!" It, it was awesome. So, oh man, man. So yeah. So to say, man, I I don't know that I can say it's my favorite zombie movie because that's just such a contender with like Dawn of the Dead, but the it's it's certainly one of it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I'd say it's in my top ten or top fifteen. So if you look at this, the cast that was in this movie with uh, Clue and then James Karen and Dom Kalfa. So you already got tons of experience. Yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. years and years of experience right there alone. But then you've got Tom Matthews and and Tom was also in the Friday series. Mm-hmm. He played one of the Tommy Jarvis. Yep. Um, you've got Jewel Shepard, Scream Queen. Who was she later became Scream Queen. At that point, she was a stripper. Um, Miguel Nunez, who was also in the Friday series. Yeah, she was discovered in a strip club. Look at Grizz is over here on his iPad. Like, what, what, what? Um, then you've also got Linnea, you know, Night of the Demons. Linnea was a Scream Queen as well. And, I mean, there was a lot of people. A lot of things about this cast worked. You know, and if, if the people weren't big yet, they, they were on their way there. Everybody had this special quality about him that made this movie work the way the joking on set like in the movie there's jokes in the movie during serious situations that you can laugh at like james karen in this movie has one of the most hilarious performances ever so if, false if you can just get lost in the movie yeah if you if you're watching the movie like oh what's going on here it's nothing but james karen being carried down the hallway like screaming and crying he's like yeah, don't touch me. And then he puts himself in the thing to cremate himself. Like, James Karen was great in this movie. Man. Nobody screams and cries like James Karen. Yeah. Nobody. I feel son. like he was so good that people were able to, people were able to forget that, you know, he buried or moved all those houses over the Indian burial ground and pulled her guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you forget about that one? I did. Yeah, I did right forget on. about that. People ask him about that at the convention. Oh, man. And just like, man, just the setup that James Karen does when he's talking about the barrels of trioxin down. Right. I just he goes, typical army fuck-up. You know what I mean? I love the way... You guys guys missed the facial expression right now. Grizz nailed that. I just love it. I love the whole setup, the delivery, and um, it's fantastic. You can't beat it. No, not at all. Um... What do we want to talk about this, though? Prof, go ahead. Um, I would say, you know, I take my hat off to Dan O'Bannon because to be able to bring in, you know, a cast like this where you've got so many young people who have done nothing. Right, right. With other people who have been doing things, you know, for 30 years. Right. And the way that they all just gel. You know what I mean? Like, there's no scenes where you go, oh, man, this person's kind of dragging it down. Like, it's just good across the board. And I'll be the first to admit, too, that I was the last uh, to see this movie of all of us. Um, I didn't see it till, you know, just within the last two or three years or so. I think I begged you to yeah. watch it for I, I think I, uh, I think I made mention in one of our earlier episodes, I double-teamed this movie with Evil Dead. Like, my brother, oh, brought, wow. the, my brother brought these movies home. And it was the thing that got me because I remember um, 
Cheryl being down in the basement and then Tom Matthews coming up into the ceiling at the end of the movie, like, brains, you know, let me in. So those were two, yeah, those were two things that always stood out to me. And that's why I can remember watching those movies together so well. So, I mean, it was back then, like I was a child and I can really remember that. And I really loved Return of the Living Dead back then, but now it's just even, it's so much better even as an adult Mm -hmm. because I get more of the inside jokes. And like, you're talking about James Karen, like, damn typical of the military and the fact that he's pointing out all the inconsistencies he's like do you ever see night of the living dead yeah, that movie yeah. in pittsburgh and they're talking they talk about pittsburgh you know because it's a real place right in pittsburgh and they're in louisville mm-hmm. and i i don't know man there was a lot to that movie man can you elaborate um i haven't watched more brains for for a year or two now damn. i guess it was only made two years ago but I haven't watched it. But what is the connection between the writer of Return of the Living Russo. Dead and John Ryder Russo? Yeah. yeah, can you can you explain that connection a little um, bit? I, okay, I don't know the entire story. We've okay. got to speak to John Russo a few times. Um, John Russo worked obviously on Re- or Night of the Living Dead, and he and um, Romero had got together to write a sequel. Okay, because I wanted to, to point out that this is almost technically an unofficial sequel. It was supposed to be. Right, okay. So, yeah, I just wanted to point that like, out to Like, this was audience. Russo's idea of what a sequel would be. Yeah. And we all know we got Dawn of the Dead. Like, R- Romero had written Dawn of the Dead. Well, I know that there was a settlement reach between them. Right. Where there, they there was had dead rights. films right. for Romero. His was referred to the dead films. Right. Russo. Living Dead. Living, yes. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so Russo, like, with everything that happened, because we all know that uh, Night of the Living Dead is a um, public domain movie. Right. Like, nobody owns the rights to it. Anybody can go out and show it. Those of you who are listening, if you didn't know that, like, you can show Night of the Living Dead at your local theater, whatever, and as long as you don't charge for it. And, and it's fine. It's public domain. Like, because there was a huge discrepancy with the rights of that movie. And that was where John Russo got messed up, is because he worked with George Romero. And this was supposed to be that unofficial sequel. It's like, oh, man, I've written something. And then after all the court settlement and everything went down, like the professor just said, John Russo was like, well, I'm going to take my script and go over here and try to make this over here. And Romero was like, okay, I've already made Dawn of the Dead. It was Dawn at that, or, yeah, Dawn at that time, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he had already made Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. What, what year did they come out? It's the same, I think. Was it the same year? Was he on his third movie at that point? Uh, 85. 85, so this came out. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, did it the same year. So, I mean, Romero had already had one other sequel in his belt. Right. And so, I don't know. Yeah, that's all I so really good. know no, about. No, that's, it, I, mean, I mean, that, no, that's, that's, I, I've got to speak to John a few times. He he kind of tells you things, but he'd rather talk about his experience versus what he went through. Yeah, because he still has, he he still kind of talks about Romero in high regard. And well, yeah, they're friends and they still talk and things like that. I think he's real neat. You get a couple drinks in him at a bar, and you can hear all the great stories. But oh, yeah. let's move on with return so i'm glad you i mean i i wanted to clear that up for the listeners if they didn't know because i didn't know that until i watched more brains right right so, right which is if you guys haven't seen more brains go on um yeah definitely uh one of the one of the founding fathers of days of the dead bill philput it has it has his hands all over that i think he's a producer executive producer mm-hmm. like bill has his hands all over more brains it's a very good documentary about that series if you guys haven't seen it man check it out pick it up for sure for sure so back to return 
So we get that, and so that's where we get the setup that this is from that Night of the Living Dead was based on a true story. And then so, right, right. And so the, you know, the chemicals or whatever, and we get the trioxin, and he goes, oh, well, you want to go down and see him? And they go down, and, oh, these are army strong. They're not leaking. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> With his hands. <laughs> Great soundtrack to do oh, the whole movie. Oh, oh the whole soundtrack to this film is just phenomenal. Right. Just phenomenal. And it, I think it, it just makes the movie as well. I mean, because, you, again, you get some good, you know, just dun, 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 dun. like, I mean, dun, dun, just, dun, 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 dun. right. And so like, <laughs> so the instrumental stuff feeds in, but also some of the punk stuff feeds mm-hmm. in. It's just, you know, some of the best things, some of the best things and most visually interesting things came out of this movie. Half dog, mm-hmm. the butterflies yeah. on the table. Oh yeah. Uh, and not, as well as the corpses coming back yep, to life. That, but that, I thought those were very, I thought those were very well done. An interesting thing about this film um, so we get that that first corpse, that crazy yellow, the yellow corpse. Thing. Right. And we With find out Right, and we find out in this film that stopping the brain doesn't stop them. Yeah, dude, and I love the way we find out. You, Clue's character in this movie yeah. was so calm and cool, dude. He literally is just like, well, I guess we're just going to have to kill it. Yeah. Open the door. Like, who's very cool in this movie? Yeah. And then he's just like, like, it runs out. They pull it off of him. He picks up the pickaxe. He rams it through the head, and it doesn't kill him. He's like, what are we going to do, guys? <laughs> like, he just holds his hands up. He's like, what are we going to do? And they're like, I don't know. And James Karen's freaking out. Tom oh, Matthews, Tom Matthews is holding it down. So Clue's just like, Clue literally looks at him. He's just like, be a man, damn it, be a man. And he grabs that hacksaw and starts cutting his head off. Man. Like, there's so many great scenes of this. Yeah. And the way they interacted with each other was hilarious because Clues was looking at him like, be a man, damn it, be a man, as he's hacking the zombie's head off, dude. If you want to keep this job here, boy, you'll watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so many great one-liners. I mean, the script. Oh, yeah, just, definitely, definitely. Just phenomenal, especially among the, the, the teenagers, the punks, you know what I mean? Oh, like, the punks are amazing. Oh, so man. They're, they're amazing. Why'd he go and get a job? What a drag. (laughs) So he can buy nice things. He can buy me nice things. I drive you guys all over town. You only call me when you need a ride. (laughs) Dude, Suicide, he had some of the greatest one-liners. Like when Naked Linnaeus humping his leg. And he looks down. I said this to the professor earlier. He looks at her and he's just like, You think I dress like this, huh? He's like, This is a a way of life. This isn't a costume. This is a way of life. Oh, man. Oh, dude. Greatest one-liners ever, man. Yeah. Come on, have some respect for the dead. Like, naked Linnaeus is, like, grinding on him. He's got trash grinding on his leg, and he's just like, have some respect for the dead. Yeah, I think it's sexy. Like, all <laughs> of, just Linnaeus' character. I mean, just the, all the ridiculous lines she says. Like when they pull Dude. up to when they first pull up to you need a medical supply. They're like, oh man, this building's lame or something. And she was like. I like it. It's a statement. <laughs> <laughs> They're literally sitting there in the graveyard. And she looks over at Miguel Nunes. And she's like, "Do you ever fantasize about being killed?" <laughs> like she's she's like, "I try not to think about that." I try not to think about Nunes dying at all. Yeah. <laughs> to me, when they go that opening scene when they're all walking down the street, like to me, that is just. The 80s. There's <laughs> yeah. a, there's a little. The generation. There's a little bit of everything within the group, and right. I mean, it just blossoms out throughout the film with the soundtrack and the you know a lot of things in the way film was made. Then, like when I think of 80s horror, this is it. Like it's yeah. just fun. 
you know it's not and and the and the great thing about this film is that there are just endless things that throughout that you can just you that's just nonstop you can list off like is there anything that stands out to you guys about this movie that's a flaw is there something that flaw? bothers you about the film that's what amazes me no. too because like <laughs> no, yeah not and that's all, man. exactly and the thing is is when you talk to people and you say what are some of the best horror movies of all time right you don't hear people pop this one out Never. first off you know what i mean Never. but when you watch it it's so great you yeah. know what i mean and like you can just run down the list like the setting and the environment awesome yeah the storytelling paced so well like there's not phases of the movie where you're like well, we'll just you know sludge through this. It'll get better. Because like it's, it's entertaining from the beginning to the end. Like up from the moment where he bangs on the say he bangs on the the canister and it sprays out to the moment where they burn the body and it goes the smoke goes into the air and the rain washes it down. You see reanimated corpses coming back to life. The paramedics showing up. I mean, pacing is brilliant in this yeah. movie, and man. it's almost like like a, you a never play. stop. Yeah. Dude, you never stop. Send more paramedics. Dude, best one of the best <laughs> yeah. lines of the the movie completely. Yeah. Send more and I paramedics. really love the way it starts with unopening the canister because right. I feel like so many movies of this type, it's just like, you know, like they, you know, they'll just tell you like six months ago this happened to the earth. Right, like right, I love being right. down in the basement with a couple of these guys watching that happen to start the story that we're going to see. And, and like, James Karen starts it off so well with where they talk about the, um, he's like, you know, where the, he's like, oh, this is the uh, the skeleton, and it comes from India. It's it's whatever female PT, perfect teeth. And he was like, where do they get all the skeletons with perfect teeth? Yeah. I think they got a body fart. <laughs> like, he's just cracking jokes, like, subtle jokes the whole time. He's absolutely hilarious in this movie. He does the Romero bit about how Night of the Living Dead was true. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it really was the Stand By Me scene. I always come back to this movie for some reason, but it was like, do you want to see the dead body? It's in the basement. Yeah. And they go down and he shows it to him. It's hilarious, dude. Like, there's nothing about this movie that went wrong. And we don't have that quintessential, pardon me, that quintessential villain. But you do. Like, Linnea comes back after she gets eaten. She lives her worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, I, the worst way I could ever imagine dying is a bunch of old men just ripping me apart. Yet she goes to conventions every weekend. <laughs> and a bunch of 30-somethings like us are like, I'll rip you apart. <laughs> but, uh, like, she does that, and she comes back, and one of the things I thought was really cool is she comes back completely unscathed. There's no bite marks. There's no yeah, nothing. There's yeah, just yeah. naked booby Linnea with this fire red hair eating people. But you've got her zombie, and then you've got Tar Man. Uh, love Tarman. Oh, Tarman in this film, Alan Trotman did such a great job. Oh. He's like brains, and then he looks at them coming down the steps, and he's like more brains. I mean, he was amazing in and, this movie. I mean, to think that people watch that today and still think that that's like a puppet. Yeah, exactly. Like he was so skinny the and, way, and the way he moved. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I like the way he moves. <laughs> Bro. I thought it was interesting uh, with what he talked about um, and his involvement with uh, the Henson Productions. Yeah, yeah. And all the he is a puppeteer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um, what are some of the uh, things that kind of stood up, stood out to you? I've, you know me. I've always got movie trivia, but yeah. what are some of the things that stood out to you, Chris? <laughs> 
I mean, to me, I mean, I'm a very dialogue-driven guy. So to me, so much of the dialogue in the film is great. And also some of the some of the nods. Um, one of my favorite things to pick up on is that the cemetery is resur- the it's like resurrection resurrection cemetery. cemetery yeah, yes. yeah. And so I'm like, oh, nice touch. But um, in like the dialogue, like you know, like like Miguel Nunez, I think he delivers some great lines in this film. Like he's just so foul mouthed. And then like, oh yeah, at some point like. Tina's like freaking out, and he's like, because somebody made an idea, and he's like, uh, no, Tina, that really is a good idea. Like, <laughs> just the way it's like shut yeah. in there, it's like, uh, no, yeah. Tina, that really is a good idea. I was talking to a Professor earlier. <laughs> uh, upon my latest viewing, my latest viewing, I'm sitting here, and uh, it's Clue and Miguel Nunez in the car, and they crash the car, and they get out of the car, and Miguel Nunez looks at Clue, and he's just like, you dumb honky, and he calls him a honky, and they run into the building. And that was the first time I ever really picked up on it. But I laughed so hard because it's now, 20 years later, something for me. Yeah. And I'm still picking up on things. He's like, you just called him a honky. You I never got honky. that before, man. Yeah, man. He's like, you dumb honky. I thought that was hilarious. Dude. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, um, some of the things. Oh, and Don Calfa in this movie. Don Calfa is amazing as Ernie, the... Uh, yeah. The more the, the mortuary guy, the mortician. Yeah. yeah. Like Don Calpa is amazing in this movie because he's got his headphones on, but he's got his Ruger in his pocket. And he's got his little tracksuit. <laughs> he is an odd man. Yeah. Dude, yeah well, I, I hate to tell you, I hate to tell you, but uh, we got these weasels. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, let me take them out to the parking lot. I'll shoot them, put them out of their misery, then we'll burn them. No, we can't do that. Oh, you just got to trust me on this. You just got to trust me on this. <laughs> Clue, man. Clue, what another... I mean, I just love the way that Clue and Karen deliver lines. Like, mm-hmm. I just, yeah. Their character, their bravado, their voice, like everything about them, it just, every everything that comes out of their mouth to me is gold. Right like, on. I, I love it. I love you know it. one of the things that still makes me chuckle? I know we've got to move on to the second movie. <laughs> when Doc Calpha double bitch slaps Miguel Nunez, remember he brings it back in <laughs> yeah. and Nunez is like, Oh, 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 and Calpha's like, yeah, <laughs> he, he double slaps him. He's like, and he snaps back into it. But you know, he really slapped him. He was like, I got you, dude. Yeah. Um, real quick, <laughs> speaking of, I just remembered um, the military stuff at the beginning. Um, when the, the guy gets home from work and he's like checking in on the equipment, and his wife's like, Oh, how was your day, honey? He was like, Same as every day. Crap. <laughs> She's like, she's like, I made your, I made your favorite for dinner, lamb, lamb shakes, and he's like, I had that for lunch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the acting is so preposterous, but that's what makes it awesome. And then like, she's like, oh, I hate that equipment; it screws with my oven. Uh, when can we move away from the equipment? Well, when we find all the things we can. But when's that going to be? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't know. <laughs> oh. Gosh. Oh, dude! I mean, everything. Every like when you ask if there's a flaw to this film, the answer is no. No, man. Like, like no. Oh, dude, Clue's delivery of the line. And I see we keep talking about lines. My favorite one was Clue when they're um, getting ready to go in the basement, make the phone call. When Clue's just like, "Let him out! I'm gonna knock his goddamn block." <laughs> he picks up that baseball bat, <laughs> and then Tarbay comes out, and he just literally cranks him one time, knocks his head off. He's like, "Get in the basement!" Like Clue was amazing in this movie. Yeah. Oh, so no, I, I got to go back to that again. There's not a flaw in Return of the Living Dead, man. Do you not at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
Um, <laughs> I, tell me you would. Tell me you don't want that playing all the time. In oh, the house. Yeah. I need to find that on vinyl. That's what I need to find. <laughs> Return yeah. the Living Dead on vinyl. The soundtrack yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. Yes, if anyone knows where we can get that on vinyl, let please us know. email the Midwest Monsters Midwest Monsters Podcast at live dot com. I'll let you boy. Um, I I mean I know we got to move on, so I'm just gonna say that. Oh man, that's I hate I, too. Well, and and two, I I hate we haven't really mentioned. Um, uh, Tom Matthews. Tom Matthews is amazing. He in this does movie, great man. in this movie too. Like the whole, Gina. yeah, <laughs> everything before he turns into a zombie is gold. Everything he after he turns into a zombie is double gold. Yeah, especially after they throw the acid in his eyes and he's wandering around. He's like, you threw the stuff in my eyes. I couldn't see. I hurt myself. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. chasing her around, dude. And the way they do the dramatic ending with him finally busting through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, before, that, yeah. right before the bomb hits. Yeah. So, it's... Gosh. Tom Matthews was great. Like, James Karen goes out noble. Yep. He's amazing. He puts himself in the cremator. Yep. To be cremated. Puts his, and then puts he his still wedding puts, ring outside. Makes exactly. the sign of the cross. Jumps in. What a he, man. He, apolo- he, he, he asks God for forgiveness. Yeah. He puts himself in to be cremated. But yet, then still puts more trioxin in the air. Yet again, son, and I, I left. And then, what about the end of the movie? Right, where they burn everything, they blow up this, and then they're like, "Don't worry about it, sir. There seems to be a cloud of, uh, seems to be a cloud, but the rain's washing that away. People are, people are talking about acid rain." Yep. Well, I. I'd love to swoon over this movie all night. I can keep I, swooning. We man. got it, but we got to move on. And you talk about Linnea and her nakedness and <laughs> and the cod piece and, and yeah. the professor's undying love for this woman. Yeah, but let's not embarrass the guy. I don't well, want. Well, I'm not embarrassing him, but I don't just... get me started. I may regret it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's let's move on to part two. Ah, right on. Final thoughts on part one. One of my favorites to just pop on. I probably watch it at least twice a year, which is saying a lot for me. I don't yeah. watch many movies that often. Yeah. Over well, it's, it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely my favorite zombie movie. Yeah. I'm wearing a Return of the Living Dead shirt right now as we speak. So I, I wear it with pride. And you make it look good. <laughs> I, I do my best, daddy. Yeah. All right. We moving on to Return of the Living Dead part two. Part two. Which would be 1988. 88. That's correct. Directed by Ken Widerhorn, the horror director. And I want to put this out there. Night of the Living Dead Part 2 was not a sequel. It was. It ended up being. Fair but producer Tom Fox had read Ken's original screenplay and said that he would ensure that it got made as long as it was a sequel to Return of the Living Dead. Mm. That's how this movie came to be. And that's why we have... Tom Matthews and James Karen back and and like clue like they repeat some dialogue verbatim word for word yep. and similar situations. They wanted to tie this in and make this a part of the franchise. And that that was something I wanted to bring up. I'm like, why? Because I didn't do my homework on this movie. I watched the movie again, but I didn't do much homework. I got on you. It. What? Why are they back? And I love, but my favorite thing is later when they're when they're becoming zombies again, and, and Tom Matthews go. Why do I feel like we've been here before? <laughs> always, dude. Always. Then they make fun of it so much. Tom Matthews supposedly hated this movie so much that he said the best part of his best experience on Return of the Living Dead Part 2 
was the craft service table. <laughs> Not my words, Tom Matthews' words. That's great. That's great. Oh, I, man. I love that they're back this time, not as noble uh, medical supply workers, but they're back as grave robbers. Grave robbers! And they still put a head in the bags, son! That's still a thing. <laughs> they're out robbing they're out robbing tombs. Well, and it's taking funny. Taking valuables. And it's funny. And they brought Suzanne Snyder along for the ride of Night of the Creeps fame at yeah. this point. And well, I love, too, that you mentioned that they, they like recycle lines because they're having the same job conversations in there. Because he doesn't want to do it. And he's like, you want this job, Sonny Boy? <laughs> yeah, they, they, they say those things. And James Karen, if you listen, in the movie says, I'm going to I'm a, I'm a find me a cremator. I'm going to find me a... I forget the exact line. He basically says he's going to go cremate himself. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> but we also... We bring in some new characters. We bring in Dana Ashbrook's character, Tom Essex, the delivery driver. Yep. Um, Lucy Wilson... Played by Marsha. I never can pronounce her last name. I think it's Dietlin. I don't know Dietlin. I don't know. But anyway, she played. And then we've got <laughs> Jesse Wilson played by a young Michael Kenworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the movie starts out with Michael Kenworthy, the Jesse character, taking his comic books because he wants to be cool with the bullies. Go pay them off. Right. He's going to go pay these guys off. And then they fuck around in a sewer. And release the trioxin and its kids messing around where they shouldn't be. That starts the zombie apocalypse. That's exactly what happens. I don't care. And that's where we get the poor man's tar man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, tar man too was horrible. Tarman. It, but from Tarman. what I understand, Tarman. From what I understand, it was still it was Alan Trotman again. But literally, the makeup was not as good. Right. Like the performance couldn't be as good because he did he wasn't working with the same thing he was working with before. Working with a different director, but. Tarman two just was not as good as Tarman one. I'm sorry, I, I put that out there. It wasn't. No. Tarman wasn't as impressive. I was not happy with the Tarman. And this movie takes place in the fictional town of Westvale, whereas the first movie took place in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So we're completely out in left field here. Like we've got a sequel, a full blown sequel that was never planned to be a sequel from a horror director who doesn't like horror movies. Night, late, folks, this is 1988, all right? I mean, yeah. we're coming to the end of a lot of great horror franchises, and this guy was just like, eh, whatever. Professor. Yeah, please. Trainwreck. <laughs> I will say, like, it, it's nice to see, uh, you know, it's close to when the first one came out in terms, you know, just a couple of, like, right, three couple years. years later, right? So, I mean, it's it's fun to watch movies from that time period, no matter how bad they are. It's cool to see some of the cast carry over, but I mean, right, right out of the gate, there's no comparison. No, I mean, you know, a lot of times, we, you know, we just talked about Scream recently. The second one wasn't as good as first, but it brought a lot of the, you know, the punch with it. And this didn't. I just, I found, I find most of it a drag. I mean, it's cool to see some of the familiarities, but it's kind of just foreshadowing what'll continue to be. Well, Mount is a bigger problem in the franchise. I feel like the end of the first movie, with the with the explosion in Louisville, and the the new rain coming down, I felt like it set up perfectly for a, a much larger scale zombie apocalypse. Right, right. And that they did nobody. And I understand that this was an original script that got turned into a sequel, but nobody was like, "Man, play off of this. We've set you up perfectly." Like, you can still, like, these characters aren't there, but we've set you up perfectly for why this is happening. 
and nobody really did it. It's like, let's release trioxin again. And it'll flow, and then zombies will come out. And, you know, the little boy was a zombie. And we're in a sub-complex out in a out in a neighborhood, and there's out a guy the with a... yuppie subdivision. Right, right, the subdivision. The yuppie subdivision. Right. Um, I do got to say, though, I did love the humorous zombie rising sequence because they just really made it funny. Like you got the one zombie who comes up and then she makes sure that she can find her glasses. You got the one zombie who's trying to come up and people keep stepping on his fingers. And you have the other zombie who falls in the hole that another zombie came out of. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, you got some giggles out of me for that. <laughs> okay. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I get you, man. The thing that about this movie was I like the fact that we got more brains or send more paramedics out of the first movie and we got a little brains, more brains out of the first movie. Uh-huh. I thought the zombies in this movie articulated a little too much. They spoke a little too much. Get that damn screwdriver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the damn screwdriver head. out of my head, dude. Like that, that was that was it, you know? Um I but I did I think they articulated a little too much. I think the Michael Jackson thriller zombie was going a little too far. Yeah. And it was some something that was supposedly improv on the spot. And if I'm not mistaken, it was also, I think Brian Peck played that role as well. Brian Peck played Scuzz in the first movie, and he did a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff because we did an interview with him. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to that episode. But Brian Peck talks about how he got involved, and he wanted to do a, he got to do a lot of the special effects and be a lot of the zombies in the first movie. Well, he comes back for the second movie and the third movie, in one way or another. And he's the only character that does that. He's the only actor that's in yeah, the first three movies. Got him listed in, on here for the second one as uh, Puss Face, Thriller, right. Jaw, Eye Pop, right. Zombie on Car Roof. Right. Puss Face, the one that gets punched in the face and the green goo comes out. I, I, I can only assume. I would assume, yeah. Right, right. And th- th- it looked like seaweed. I, I thought that was real weird. <laughs> but no, man, get the screwdriver out of my head. Um there's, like I said, we already talked about the exchanges that came right from the first movie. Like, this movie, to me, don't tell Dana Ashbrook I said this, but this movie, did, like, I like him. I thought he was nice. I met him once. Um, was very forgettable. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. you know, it really was because I thought, like, going back and watching these movies later on in my adult life, I thought a lot of the best scenes from this movie came from part one. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I really did. Like, the, like uh, the electrocution at the end. I thought that came from part one. I forgot about the nuking at some point. You know what I'm saying? But and that's how they kill the zombies at the end. Well, no, I remember that. I just don't. I don't get the connection to part one. No, no, no. I thought they ran when I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, the highlights in my mind from when I'd seen them when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't get the nuking of Louisville. Gotcha. So one and two for a long time ran together in my head. Okay, that makes sense. So the best parts of one and two because. James Karen was in it again. Tom Matthews was in it again. Like, those characters, and they played basically the right. same kind of guys. Exactly. So, for a long time, I didn't differentiate between one and two. Yeah. And then now, as an adult, I can totally differentiate between them because they weren't the same characters, and they made fun of the characters that they were in the first movie. Yeah. So, it really wasn't anything special for me. Professor? I, I've, got, I've said everything <laughs> well, I can well, I on part two. Sure, yeah. I want to make sure, sure yeah. that more for me. Yeah, I, I guess the last thing I would add is that 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 electrocuting ending. I was like, really? That's 
how we're going to end this? From what I understand, the blue lines that yeah, they I used just, to elect, yeah, did you see that? that it cost the them like $50,000, and they were all added in at the end. Like, it was almost like if you, when you read that factoid, it's like there was no plot. It, it, there was no, like, oh, how are we going to end this, dog? Like, we could we could have ran some blue line cheaper than that. Yeah. But they paid $50,000 to electrocute the zombies at the end, bro. I don't know. But it wasn't my movie, like I said. Well, I always upset me enough to quit talking about well, it. Well, and that's always kind of my line. It's like, well, you guys got to make a movie I never did. But at the same time, it was like, number two was very, like, it took me having to watch it again to remember the best parts of number two, which there weren't many. Mm-hmm. And they all included people from number one. Yep. And get the damn screwdriver out of my head. Get that damn screwdriver. <laughs> you want to okay. move on, Chris? I do. Please take us. All right. So in 1993 brings Return of the Living Dead Part Three. Here's <laughs> I want to I want to put this out there. Julie Walker played by Mindy Clark or Melinda Clark. Kurt Reynolds played by J. Trevor Edmond, son of Burt Reynolds. Not true. <laughs> Not true at all. Because Kurt Reynolds is the character name. <laughs> And then there's a guy named Riverman. No, that's funny. Those are the only three characters I can remember from this movie, besides the the um, Hispanic gang. These the Hispanic the and Asian gang. They're the only three good people I can remember from this movie, man. So the gar- the government is doing weird experiments with trioxin, trying to reanimate corpses to turn them into the ultimate fighting machine. Well, folks, welcome to Universal <laughs> Soldier 5. <laughs> yeah. Right? This yeah. is this is like the worst part of RoboCop. They were just like, they're using, robot, they're using robotics. We're going to use zombies. It's okay. We can do this. Yeah. Yeah, because that was the big argument. Should we reanimate them with the trioxin? Or, or no, we were going to reanimate them anyway, but how do we control them? Right, right. How do we yeah. control them? They, they end up giving them the exoskeleton. Remember they have oh, River Man. Man in that thing at the end. Yes, gosh. I, oh, oh man. Oh, Robo Zombie. Yahar <laughs> the Hedge. So man, there's a few things that killed me about this movie. How are these kids? I understand that the kids' dad is uh, high up in the military. How are these kids just wandering around the base, peeking in at the super secret experiments? He stole his ID. No, I seen him swipe that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, how did they get that far in without being noticed? Super secret play, super, super secret base, top secret experiments are going on. Movie, yeah. It's movie Nobody. magic. It's movie magic. It is movie magic. During the bedroom argument scene, you can see the gap, or you can see somebody's head on the shoulder of the general, or whatever the the military guy is supposed to be, throughout the whole scene, moving back and forth. And I was like, there you go, blew the whole budget, son. Did he's like, we we couldn't do take two, couldn't get dude's head out of the shot. No man. Like, that set the whole tone for me. So let's talk about really kind of, I think, the linchpin of this whole episode. And that's the motorcycle accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know the mad one is crazy about the motorcycle accident. Where the girl flies 27 feet off the back of the motorcycle and breaks her neck. Oh, I'm, right. I'm loving it. And the only way that he can save the love of his life. It's the shooter up with trioxin. It's the shooter up with trioxin. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? You know, I, I saved a gerbil like that once. I was going to bury him in the pet cemetery, but I was like, I got this trioxin lying around. And that, I mean, the ground right there. So. Uh, I don't want to be buried. <laughs> so so the, the, the motorcycle accident. 
Uh, and that's what sets the stage for pretty much the main plot point of the rest of the, the movie. Right. He's resurrected his girlfriend with the trioxin that they saw earlier. You know, they're using this to resurrect bit people. Um, the and barrel... She, mo- oh. what? Go, go, go ahead. Keep going. Oh, I was just going to say, and so now she just... She's got this pain, you know. Oh, I hear right, the zombies. Right, right. The zombies talk about that early, especially in part one. The pain. The pain. We eat the brains because it eases the pain. Exactly. And so that's how they end up in that convenience store. Right, right, which right. Is also going to turn the tide of the whole the whole movie. One thing I got to get to before we get to okay, that. Okay. The barrel monster in this movie. We've got Tar Man, who was amazing. Tar-Man. We got the second Tar Man, who was not anywhere near as amazing. The third barrel monster in this movie looked like, reminded me of the pit bitch from Army of Darkness. Anybody else look just like it with the big head, the weird eyes, look just like the pit bitch. Maybe not, not the pit, but that. not the pit bitch, but the thing that comes out of the wall in Army of Darkness. Yeah. While while he's in the pit. Right. With the pit bitch. Like that thing, I was like, oh my goodness. They went and stole some KMB effects and made this movie, dude. Like I was upset at that point in the movie. But no, they, they get to the convenience store. She's hungry. She starts stealing all the hostess snack cakes and eating the cream puffs on the ground. She is while the Hispanic She's gang, shotgunning them. She's shotgunning While the Hispanic gang is gathered around homeboy playing the video game. Baby, if we'd have left 20 minutes ago, he'd have never made it to, ep- to level 7. <laughs> what the hell is going on here, son? <laughs> oh, man. So, so yeah, so we get that whole thing, and uh, so now they're on the run from the gang, and she starts to find out that, that something that helps ease the pain is self-mutilation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she's hungry. She doesn't know what's going to cure her hunger until she eats the man that the Hispanic gang shot <laughs> while she's self-mutilating herself. Folks, this is really what the movie's about, if you haven't seen this. <laughs> Bro, did you like the fact how before we even get into the back of the van, like, the dude is shot on the ground, and the guy comes up and kicks him. He's just like, what up, dude? Like, he, was, <laughs> he was so tough at that point, he kicked him. And then the shop owner who shot chases the zombie chick down and was just like, let me go with you. Take me to the hospital. It's two blocks away. They drive for 40 minutes. He never makes it to the hospital. She eats him. <laughs> she eats him in the she back of the him. van. She full. She full. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Man. Before we get too far, Professor, do you have anything <laughs> please, you want to say please. at this point to break up our insane ramble? Oh, well, man. I just thought that it was important for listeners to know that this is actually a prequel to the OC. Because she has, <laughs> she has the same name, Julie, in this as she does in that. So there's that, and um, this movie's terrible. There you go. Dude, there was no redeeming qualities about this movie. Like Riverman, I thought was gonna save it and bring it back for me. The Riverman couldn't even bring this back. Then Riverman couldn't bring this back. For me. Uh, yeah, in the whole time, I was just afraid that Riverman just wanted to rape the girl. <laughs> so, like, I was like, oh, how does the dude do that? The, the, the game oh, member yes, comes down there. Do that, yeah. She has glass sticking out of her sticking out of her back and her she breast. She goes through she her transformation. Nails. She, she has nails sticking out of her. She has everything. And dude comes down there with the gun and he's like, I'm into this. And he drags her back inside for a little one-on-one. He wants sex to have play. sex with the self-mutilating zombie. 
<laughs> love it. Like she, she, yeah. You, I mean, I, I just want to emphasize it again. She has glass and nails sticking <laughs> out of her, and he somehow that gets his juices going. I loved it. Did we mention the director? I missed that. Oh no! I did. You uh, know the director? Bruce Spielberg. You know? No, I just I thought it was worth mentioning. No. Uh, Brian Yuzna. Brian Yuzna. And I think that's how you say it. But yeah. it, for his directing before that, he'd done Society, um, which is a bizarre movie. Um, Bride of Reanimator, Silent Night, Deadly Night Four, and then the this. The so yeah, so this was his first four. This was his fourth feature directing. So he had already made his imprint in the horror world. Dude, so. Bride of Reanimator. He led up to this movie with Bride of Reanimator and Silent Night, Deadly Night 4. At this point, he was like, nobody cares. Yeah, he's like, let's party. <laughs> wow. Wow. He's like, in my last movie, I had a closet full of cockroaches. Yeah. So he got with Mick G to plan out what they were going to do with the OC down the line. And there you go. Oh, so um, is the... <laughs> You know, I got nothing else to say because you already mentioned that they turned Riverman into uh Yeah, did they turn Riverman into a, a robo zombie? But they also but but he, he still has a heart because they talk to him. He says, You remember you Okay, gave what me is this up coin? with this coin, dude? Let's talk about this coin for a second. Look, as long as here's the Mardi Gras coin. As long as you have this, I want you to get or no wait, I want you to give it to somebody. Who helps you? Who, 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 I want you to help somebody, somebody and give them this coin and tell them to do the same because as long as this coin's out there, I know that somebody in the world is doing good. <laughs> That's how they, they and get then, they At get. the end of the movie, Riverman as the zombie is about to kill him and he's just like, look at the coin! You gave me the coin! <laughs> it's almost like, remember, I keep coming back to this, but remember Universal Soldier when they hold this stuff up? <laughs> So Van Dam doesn't kill him. They're just yeah. like, look, remember, you have to deep into your memory. Remember. What about the Romeo and Juliet ending? Yeah, in the fire. We didn't even talk about the dad. The dad is the crazy military guy in this episode yeah. of the boy. And the dad's like, oh, we knew about the tracks and we've got to move. It's killing people. We're doing We're turning people into zombies, blah, blah, blah. Boy's like, I'm not going to go. Let my girlfriend. It's literally Romeo and Juliet. As a zombie flick. And it wasn't even that good as a Romeo and Juliet as a zombie flick. And then they kill he kills himself with her at the end. Dumb. I'm sorry, dude. I did not like part three I to heard, me was the I biggest heard, letdown. I heard that this film inspired Mark Knopfler to write Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> For dire straits. Yeah. That's not true. But <laughs> Juliet. We made love. You used to cry. Okay, so part four. You turned yourself to a zombie. It's <laughs> a shame you had to die. I forget. I, I forget. Juliet. Oh, Christ. I'm Cut done. the show. <laughs> well, folks, that's it for this evening. <laughs> <laughs> no way. We've got two to we go. we got two more. Stick with us. Combined to... Never mind. <laughs> hey, trust me, we won't talk about one of them for very long. Trust me, you would rather listen to us sing Romeo and Juliet than watch part four and five. But no, actually, no, 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 We're, dude, we, no. Five, five. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I got so loud on that part. I'm so sorry. Part four and part five, all both released in 2005. So which we, one is part four? Part four is Necropolis. Necropolis is part four. Yeah. So Necropolis. Rage to the Grave. Necropolis. <laughs> so Rage to the Grave is part five. 
technically. Okay, check this out. Fans, I'm going to tell you right now, I did not watch Necropolis. I didn't. I ran out of time. I'd never seen it before. There was nothing that ever really drew me to watch it. I did watch Rave to the Grave. But I didn't know which one was which, so I thought Rave to the Grave was part four, so I watched it. Uh, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Professor, did you watch four, Necropolis? I am also a failure. So, so I just have a mouthful of chips. If you just want to give a quick description, your quick thoughts on it, we'll go to five. Yeah, I thought it was number five, so I wanted to see number four so I could see them in sequence. Necropolis. A short love story. Folks, he could be making stuff up right now. We don't know. (laughs) Okay, so we open with um, an infomercial about a company called Hybratech. He lied. Who... (laughs) Which is similar to Skynet. No, I'm joking. Skynet, go ahead. Hybertech has found a way to harness the energy of the trioxin. It's almost building off of part three um, to where they can use it. They've used it to, like, do biochemical weapons. But also they have been the ones to come up with, with not cures, but ways to contain zombie outbreaks. So they recognize there's been zombie outbreaks and they take care of that. Oh, oh, Mr. Skynet. Oh, oh. Imagine. Right. Uh, Real quick. So they're acknowledging, I haven't seen this one, obviously, I'm just asking questions. So they're acknowledging that trioxin is out there in lethal doses amongst humans. Yes. Okay. Because okay. it was a military mess up in the first three yeah. movies. Part of what they go on to do is they visit everybody's favorite tourist attraction, a little town called Chernobyl in Russia. That's in Russia, isn't it? Is that a three-mile oh, island? Or any, no, no, no. Yeah, no. I thought so. Chernobyl is Russia or some one of those Eastern Bloc countries. What was that movie that they filmed in Chernobyl? Chernobyl Diaries? Yeah! I never that watched that. Oh, dude. Is it you good? Missed, nah, no, it's not good, but you missed out on some stuff. <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> we'll get there. So, um, so they go to Chernobyl, right and they, 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 they use that as some sort of testing ground, and you find out that the, this couple died because of a hypertech experiment, and you go on to find out that it was this kid's parents, but they didn't really die. They took his parents and made them zombies. And they come back at the end of the movie looking like Borg from Star Trek Next Generation. You guys know what Borg looked like? Yeah, we know what Borg looked like. Yeah, well, somehow that made it way into a zombie film. So it's a total train wreck. Um, there's a punk zombie. There's a possum zombie. And a possum zombie? Does he hang upside down from the tail on a tree? No, it's a possum that has become a zombie. Oh, right on. Like Chernobyl right. is in Ukraine. Okay, so an Eastern Bloc country. Right. Ukraine, lots of great things going on there yeah. these days. <laughs> Let's yeah, go film another movie. <laughs> <laughs> Best thing out of Ukraine, Eugene Hutz, lead singer of Gogol Bordello. Another story for another day. Um, this is a nice way of putting it. <laughs> hey Oh, hey. folks, if you didn't get that, go home. He'll steal your Super Bowl ring. Uh, <laughs> So, I do want to point out a couple things that uh, there was some great dialogue in this. Um, okay. So, these 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 kids decide to break into the Hybertech factory because... Factory like plant, they always whatever. do. Kids, right. all, kids can never leave right. the trioxin alone. Because their friend almost died in a motorcycle wreck. They decided, they decided to take his body so that they could reanimate it and experiment on him. So, they're going to break in and get their friend back. Dude, so two movies in a row we used a motorcycle accident. Yes. Yeah. So they're going back in, and one of their friends works for Hypertech, and she's doing the setup. And this guy says to her, hey, what are you doing working? And she was like, trying to get some overtime in. 
get that Christmas money. And the guy says, yeah, Christmas is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, the birth of Jesus is cool. <laughs> so that same guy uh, is distracted by another friend, the sexy one. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she goes, have you ever been with a triple jointed Sagittarian gymnast? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, rewind. Have you ever been with a what? A triple jointed Sagittarian gymnast. I've been waiting all my life for a woman to ask me that question. <laughs> Especially in Ukraine. <laughs> so, but no, you know, it takes you know they never get the gold, right? Yeah, but you know so there's probably women... some two bit actor they picked up. <laughs> oh, man. And so, were, hey, I got a question. Were they all American actors? Seriously. Yeah, yeah. They were all American actors supposed Wait, to be well, in no, Ukraine. It, no, it came back from Ukraine. That's what I didn't get. I did, I was hoping one of you would have watched it to help <laughs> explain to me why they were in Chernobyl. I, I thought it was five. I'm sorry. Like, okay, I that's to fine. Sure no, that's forward. fine. But they, they go to Chernobyl. They, they, they do some things there, but then they're back in America. So that being said, um, I said the kid's parents, that was kind of the thing, because he was being raised by his uncle who worked for HyberTech. Right. His uncle pops up back at the beginning of five. I told you guys that. Yeah, today. okay. So I said that's, that's the good. uncle from four, okay, and you guys cool. were both silent because I didn't know you guys <laughs> failed and didn't watch the movie. But I'm gonna let you slide. Uh, all right, all right. So, so we're back. So yeah. I'm back on track now. So right. So but, so let's just so leave. So that kid who pops up back at the school and rapes the grave. Right. The the one who looks like. Um, uh, that he should have been I don't know. He looks like Sean Ryder. He looks like Ryder Strong from Boy Meets World. He looks plays, like every 90s actor ever. Who plays T.S. in, in Mallrats? Why am I blanking uh -huh. on his name? Oh, T.S. Quint? Yeah. Um, uh, he's a brother. He's got a twin. Yeah, he's got a twin. Oh, London, London. Jeremy London. Jeremy London, yeah. So he looks like, he looks like Jeremy London had. He also looked like Jason London. Strong. <laughs> so, anyways, so he's that character. He's in part five. And. Uh, so now we're in part five. Ray. Yeah, here we go. Final thoughts on part four, everybody. Yeah, what'd you think? <laughs> now, the final thing on part four, his parents come back looking like Borg. <laughs> <laughs> looking like Borg? Borg. So I'm just like, heaven help us. So Necropolis was a complete train wreck. Don't watch it. Go watch part five. Like, we're getting ready to talk about oh, right dude, now. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I got I to gotta chime in real quick. So we come, and we talk to the Grizzly Abner, and the Grizzly Abner goes, I was like, man, I cannot find Rave to the Grave anywhere. Wasn't in our local video stores. Was not in our local, uh, what do you say, movie buying. The place where we buy all of our local movies. The place where we go. Could not order it and get it on time. Could not find the movie. Uh, the movies, I'm sure, is all over eBay. But we could not get this movie in time from the time we started looking for it. Filming the show tonight. So I'm like, Grizz, man, do you have Rave to the Grave? He's like, I've got it. Let's watch it. And I was like, man, this is going to be horrible. I thought it was, like, again, I thought it was part four. I was like, part four of a Return of the Living Dead series has got me bugged out right now. I'm not going to watch part five without watching part four, which I messed up. Sorry, folks. We get up here and start watching Rave to the Grave. It's the best movie ever made, son. Man, I got to tell you, we all made mistakes. Oh, son. By not watching this. Sooner. I should have watched this when it came out, man. I was I'm literally managing a video store. When it came out? It, I, I had a video store when this movie came out, and I didn't watch it. I'm so bad now. Professor. Well, I mean, it's like when you expect to get kicked in the nuts, and somebody just slaps you on the shoulder. 
Yeah, wasn't too bad. <laughs> it's worthy of the 3.2 it's got on IMDb, but it's a fun 3.2. Oh, it's man. a fun 3.2. And I love the Tarman in this one. The yeah. Tarman, Tarman, Tarman's the Tarman classic. Hitchhiking. Yeah, Tarman is, is hitchhiking at the end. He says, what, rave or bus? Rave or bus. Rave or bus. And no one's man. taking him to the rave. So here, let's, let's lay this out for you. So the trioxin now has been taken to a college laboratory by a college kid who has turned it into the new form of ecstasy. Right. Because it gets you close to death and gets you high for a few seconds. So they develop a pill form of this of trioxin that allows you to get high, but the pill form is a much higher dosage than originally thought and turns people into zombies. So now we have a legion of ravers. We have a legion of ravers. Sorry about this bad sandstorm. We have a legion of ravers (laughs) who are taking this drug and they all turn into zombies. Nothing bad. And we've got two guys running around who look, remind you of Sam Jackson and John Travolta from Pulp Fiction. They really do, dude. I'm sorry. And they're Ukrainian. And they're Ukrainian. Because of the whole Chernobyl connection. Right. And I didn't know that because I didn't watch part four. But these guys are running around. They're looking for the trioxin. They know what's going on. The trioxin has been turned into a drug. These college kids are selling it to the ravers. The ravers are taking it, so it's literally <laughs> rave to the grave. Oh, rave. man. Well, we know that the local expert on raves is Professor Wagstaff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Professor Wagstaff was, was like, we had, which is at the hour mark. I thought we'd just move quicker. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> the professor's just like, I wasn't a candy kid, but I was born unto their clan. <laughs> I saw Bad Boy Bill more than once. Was this was this an accurate representation? (laughs) From the one rave I went to, three. No, one. (laughs) This was not. This just looked like every other house party in a movie. Not to mention this is two thousand five. They were a little late to that party. Seriously, yeah, really. They missed Rave to the Grave by like five years, (laughs) at least four. Right. And that's kind of the, the point about the film. We were wondering while we were watching the film if it was actually made around 2005 or just released in 2005. Right. Because I, the I wardrobe that, is very I, out of date. I just looked it up a couple minutes ago. They filmed it then. Oh, my in gosh. 2005? They filmed it at the same time, back to back. The wardrobe is so yeah, 1997. Yeah. Right, right. In, in the haircuts, even. That's why we kind of joked about being Sean Hunter-esque and, and Mallrats-esque because... The, all the wardrobe, all the the way the characters look in this movie, it's really reminiscent of something out of the nineties. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I guess that would fit in because, like, we joked about how whatever directors or producers put this together, they were like, "Oh, well, yeah, you know, they think they know what's cool, and so they've just made it look like whatever ravers would have done in the nineties." What about all those topless failed. chicks? Oh, left and right, man. Like there for a while, you got to see boom, 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 boom. But you never see the one chick's boobs. <laughs> Guys, if you're waiting for the one chick's boobs, stop. You never see them. And it's uh, not a bad thing, but it's not a good thing. It's noticeable, too, that zombies are a lot weaker in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just getting popped. With oh, lines. dude. And they don't even... They look like... Matt Jane, what did you say they look like? What? The vampires. Oh, the, 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 yeah. They, the, the zombies in this movie look like the vampires from a Joss Whedon Buffy flick. Yeah. Buffy flick. Because now they all have this these pronounced furrowed brows and these things under their eyes. 
that you turn into a zombie, you turn into a Joss Whedon vampire. It's maybe, like maybe it's like Spike bit these guys and was like, I don't want you anymore. Maybe this was in Sunnyvale. Like Mercedes McNabb was like, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> or maybe they just they were just like, Hey, I wonder what props we have left over from Buffy Dog. And they stole all the eye pieces. But no, it was pretty funny and. I mean, just um, the dialogue is just atrocious. Oh, and there's a couple of... Uh, and that's uh, why it's so funny. I mean, it's so bad, it's awesome. Well, there were a couple of Fraternity Brothers zombies in this movie that I was loving on for a oh, long yeah. time. Not, DJ, in that, not in that way. The DJ but, is so cluelessly hilarious. Oh, man, and these zombie brothers are... These zombie um, dudes are walking around. It's like, hey, bro, we're Fraternity Brothers. We share everything, including vital organs and they eat people and i was like this is amazing like it's the worst dialogue ever and it was the best movie dude but don't forget we still have trioxin and we still have brains yes like they maintain that if not anything else they maintain trioxin and brains Uh, and i mean you really can't expect too much from a movie that's tagline is dance till you drop What about the two? What about the two forty-five-year-old stoner dudes in the car? Uh, Loved them. Yeah, that was a highlight when uh, the one bit him. Yeah, it's like, man, that's gay. Why the other one's getting bit? <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh, dude, what about the old girl? The old girl is a zombie. The old girl gets scratched on the shoulder and turns into a zombie. And the boyfriend has her parked out in a secluded location, and he's like, "Baby, baby," and she's like, "Ugh." He's like, oh, I'm gonna make you moan like that, sweet. I'm gonna make you moan like that. And she turns around and she goes down on him and starts biting him. And he's just like, baby, baby, oh man, it usually doesn't come this quick. Usually I have to buy you, I have to buy you Olive Garden first. And I just started <laughs> laughing, dude. I roll. Best movie ever. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's all I've got to say about part Grave to the Grave was amazing. It wasn't as good as the first movie, but I thought it, it, it was fun, dude. It really was. It came back and lightened up the movie. It, it really did. It, it did blow us all away with how ridiculously funny it was, whether it was supposed to be that or not. I think the user review, the first one that pops up on IMDb for this, sums it up great by uh, Yancey Scott 1. Yes. It just says, if you're listening, call us, bro. Like boy. A great piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, NC Scott One, man. This guy now writes for Rotten Tomatoes, man. Did you know that? <laughs> Maybe well, it's a woman. She writes for Rotten Tomatoes. Well, is there um, any parting thoughts we want to have with uh, Return of the Living Dead as a franchise? Great. Um, every sequel from then on out, like, I didn't watch Necropolis, but every sequel from then on out loses a little bit of the magic, but the first movie holds up so much that the rest of them don't matter to me. I'm with you. Thank you. Aye, aye. <laughs> aye, aye. As Del Mar would say in Oh Brother Arthur, I'm with you, fellas. <laughs> I'm yeah. with you, fellas. I, re- I really have no desire to watch any of the sequels again. Ever again. Yeah. Ever again. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm... Two, maybe if I'm yeah, just no, starving, two. obsessed. But. No, I'll watch two again. I, I, I don't think I'll watch anything after two again. Like, Rave to the Grave was good, but it was like that magical moment. That like, was lightning in a bottle tonight, gentlemen. Yeah, we were, I'm we never were, venturing we there here, again. We were all here and not sure what it was and watched it. And yeah. It was good. I'll never watch it again. Send us home. All right. Friends, we thank you for sticking with us for this painful franchise that started <laughs> from such a beautiful seed. But we know that... Good plants don't always come from seeds. 
What? All <laughs> plants come from seeds. I said not all good plants don't always come from good seeds. Some come from your brain. <laughs> brain. So we'll just close with that. Like sometimes you get a watermelon. What the hell, dude? Sometimes when life throws you lemons, you buy a motorcycle. <laughs> Anyways, I'm... <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. For the Midwest Monsters talking about Return of the Living Dead, I am Grizzly Abner, and I am here with my best friends... Madchen! DJ Gangsta Grill! Actually, Professor Wagstaff. Mike Jones! Mike Jones! Stay scary, my friends. Hugs and kisses.